0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. And welcome in everybody to Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Breda past Manager across all platforms, podcasts, video, everything else. We just jump right into it here today. Obviously, as there has been now for many, many days in a row, a lot to get into, but not every conversation is as meaningful as the one we're about to have as we look back on the legacy of Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, who announced it yesterday, as we all expected that he would but he is moving on to the NFL draft and leaving behind one of the great careers in the entire history of Georgia football. And I've been thinking about this from a lot of different vantage points over the last little bit. You know, When I think about Brock Bowers, one of the very first things that comes to mind for me is the very first college game that Brock Bowers ever played against Clemson in the 2021 season. And it's one of those things where Whatever your reality is, it's like that's sometimes the only thing you can remember. And it becomes very difficult to recall how different things used to be sometimes as recently as a couple of years ago. And I believe that Georgia fans probably find themselves in a similar situation to that. You know, Georgia now doesn't really play second fiddle to anyone in any game that it plays. But to begin the 2021 season in Charlotte, I'll also remember that game as like the first game we brought back full crowds again after the debacle of 2020. Um, But, you know, you had a full stadium there to watch, Georgia against Clemson. And I just think it can be difficult to fully put into full context exactly how important that game was for Georgia at the time. Georgia was trying to be where Clemson had been. Clemson had won a couple of national championships. Clemson had become a fixture in the college football playoff. Clemson locally and I should say regionally had a better brand than Georgia had because of the success that Clemson had enjoyed. And Georgia was I think very eager to show that it could play on the same level of Clemson and get past Clemson. And that day that happened. Georgia went on to win the next two national championships. Clemson's not quite what it once was, but that was a very important day in Georgia football's recent history in the Kirby Smart era because it was one of those moments, the, the the phrase we've heard Smart you know, say after that game, you're either elite or you're not. That was the first step towards Georgia proving that it truly was an elite-level program. And I say all that to say, if you remember that game, not a great day for Georgia offensively. Admittedly, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. But that day, knowing how important the game was going to be for the elite status that Georgia craved and sought after and was pursuing every moment, every decision in a game like that mattered immensely. And if you'll remember the guy that got targeted for Georgia that day more than any other player was Brock Bowers and Brock Bowers was playing in his first ever college game in that time. And yet somehow behind the scenes throughout the you know the calendar year of 2021 working towards his college debut, Brock was showing Todd Hartley, and at the time Todd Munkin, and obviously Kirby Smart, that he was a special player. So much so that it's almost as if the offensive game plan for that particular day against a Clemson team that was a great defense and in a very important game, it's almost like the game plan was sort of built around what Georgia believed that Brock Bowers could do. And that was our first indication that on a team that was filled with great players and on a program that produces great players, year after year after year, Brock Bowers is just in a different category. And in that moment, we've kind of all seen that for ourselves. And we've also watched the way in which others kind of outside the bubble of dog nation have been able to see that for themselves too. Because if you want to go back to Bowers and his freshman year, statistically, one of the best years that anybody's ever had catching the football at Georgia. And yet the position that he plays tied in, you'll remember this. Bowers wasn't even a finalist for the Mackey Award that year as the nation's top tight end, despite the fact that Bowers would go on to win the award the next two years, becoming the first one to ever win the Mackey Award twice. But you can make a case that the most statistically dominant year that Bowers ever had in a Georgia uniform took place in his freshman year. that He very easily could have won the Mackey Award all three years that he was in college, but it sort of took people kind of outside the bubble of dog nation a little while, perhaps even more than a year to realize just how different Brock was and on a Georgia team that had a lot of great players that Bowers I would say with all due respect to others kind of stood in the forefront even in comparison to the other great players that Georgia has had here and to me you can sort of sum this up in kind of a couple of different ways Brock Bowers as we said before he played tight end but in a lot of ways Brock Bowers redefined tight end you know, tight end looks different now across college football and, frankly, across football in general because of what guys like Bowers are able to do. In fact, I was talking to a high school coach in Georgia a couple of months ago, and it seems like there are a lot of really good tight ends in our state right now. Just, it just you know, every now and then you have these sort of cycles of one position's up, one position's down. And it just seems like right now there's just an incredible collection of kind of athletic tight ends across the state of Georgia, and coaches are using them in a pretty creative way, I would say and I asked the coach, you know, why do you think that is? Why do you think there are so many good tight ends in Georgia right now? One of the things this coach said to me is, well, people also see how Georgia's using Brock Bowers, and there's naturally going to be a little bit of a copycat tendency on that of when you see how successful a guy like Bowers is, there's a tendency to want to have that for yourself and kind of show off the sort of creative play calls that you can uh, put on display when you've got a tight end who's as versatile as Brock Bowers is. And that's kind of part of Brock's legacy there as well that moving forward at all levels of the sport and I think eventually the NFL too at all levels of the sport I think the tight end position is just kind of thought of in a different way now because of what Brock Bowers you know did while being here at Georgia in a lot of ways he really redefined the position but in addition to that this is perhaps the most important thing for me about Brock in in a Georgia uniform In addition to redefining the position, I think that Brock Bowers really transcended the position there as well. And I don't think that you can fully appreciate what Brock was without talking about something that Georgia has kind of desperately needed. Georgia is a program that produces greatness virtually across the board in every area, especially on defense, but also, you know, RBU, running backs, offensive line. Georgia's had, you know, great offensive lines. Georgia's gotten very good quarterback play the last few years there as well. This is a Georgia team that's just really good at producing great players and collections of great players across almost every position group but the position group that's probably lagged the most for Georgia in comparison to the standard set by other position groups is wide receiver. We know that to be true. It's it's one of those things that that you know Georgia's dealt with negative recruiting, you know from other programs, things like that. It's you can't be great at everything perhaps across the board, and the one position group that sort of lagged for Georgia probably has been the wide receiver position a little bit which makes the career of Bowers so much more interesting and, frankly, so much more uh, laudable because not only has Bowers redefined the tight end position, I believe at Georgia, he has also transcended the tight end position because, let's just face it, there is an expectation we have for tight ends in terms of their statistical production that's lower than we would have for great wide receivers. But I'll be more than happy to tell you this. Do not judge Brock Bowers in comparison to other tight ends. Judge him in comparison to other wide receivers. Judge him in comparison to Roma Dunze or uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or anybody that's kind of come through college football over the course of the uh, last few years. Judge Bowers, not just against other tight ends, that's frankly probably not even fair. Judge him against the best wide receivers that have come through college football over the course of the last three years. And I believe the career for Brock Bowers, the statistical prowess of Brock Bowers, the penchant for making big plays and big moments for Brock Bowers, I believe it stands alongside any wide receiver, any pass catcher of a different position than his sort of natural position. I believe the career for Bowers compares favorably to any of those guys there as well and that's probably ultimately what uh, I, th- I think makes Brock such a historic figure at Georgia the fact that even if you want to compare him to other receivers and by the way he was even mentioned for the Bolitnikoff award here this year for the nation's top receiver and who knows how that could have you know perhaps been a different conversation had he been fully healthy we certainly believe he would have had a chance to be a Heisman finalist as Marvin Harrison Jr. was here this year because Bowers not only redefined his position he really transcended that position there as well so you know We could do this all day long. We could say, give me those moments, give me those memories. The crazy catch against Florida. The unbelievable collection of highlights against South Carolina in 2022. The way in which he kind of took over the Auburn game here this year. The fact that he so courageously came back from injury to play in his final home game against Ole Miss. You know, maybe my top moment of all that interesting contortion he did to convert the four almost like a matrix style move to convert the fourth down against Ohio State and preserve Georgia's chance for victory and how additionally interesting that seemed to be because the fact that you know we'd all seen Georgia doing yoga practice a couple days before and you just sort of roll your eyes oh my gosh this you know Kirby Kirby being Kirby making the media watch them do yoga And then you see Bowers during that game go out and do a yoga move, essentially, uh, in one of the biggest moments of the game. And you're just sort of left to to really uh, reflect on the fact that, that he was so representative and such an embodiment of what has made Georgia special over the course of this time there as well. We said before the year began, that Brock Bowers would be in our Mount Rushmore of all-time great Georgia Bulldogs. Obviously, Herschel Walker, to me, still stands head and shoulders the greatest player in program history. Uh, I'd put Bowers on there. I'd put David Pollock on there. There's probably some debate about who that fourth perhaps would be. Uh, but for us, we, we said we'd put Nick Chubb on there. That, you know, for us, our Mount Rushmore of all-time great dogs, Herschel, Bowers, Pollock, and Chubb. That's that, That's our sort of our representation of, of the greatest players in this program's history. Your mileage may vary, but I do believe that Bowers and Herschel have to be unanimous for everybody. I believe I believe that's the status that Bowers has has now uh, you know collected that you've had so many great players that have come through this program in recent years but the one unanimous selection for anyone on their all time great dogs however you define it Mount Rushmore or whatever your sort of shortest of short list is of the the best players ever that's come through UGA I think that Brock Bowers has got to be on that list and no doubt in you know the days to come we'll all be kind of sharing our memories of what made him so special. Also, for some additional context in this for a moment, I want you to hear Todd Hartley from the other day, having a chance to hear from him on, at the time was, you know, will Bowers playing the Orange Bowl or not? That was some of the context around this, but also just that chance on a guy who's coached him on a daily basis. And Todd's such a, a great spokesman for Georgia, such an interesting personality. It's fun to hear from Todd Hartley during these bowl games because Todd's just a really good dude, obviously, in addition to being a very good football coach. Uh, it was really nice to hear Todd share that sort of first-person perspective on why he has believed uh, Brock Bowers to be such a great player and what he has enjoyed about the chance to coach Brock on a regular basis so on a day in which Brock has announced that he is officially moving on to the NFL draft as we all knew that he would let's hear Todd Hartley his position coach at Georgia talk more about you know why Brock Bowers will be so fondly remembered this is from last week in Miami at the time not knowing if Brock would play in the Orange Bowl but a little bit from Todd Hartley here for a couple of minutes.
0: We don't know his status is still unsure. You know, he's still battling that ankle injury that's been nagging him. It seems like forever now. You know, and but he uh, he's been great in his rehab. Um, I hope he makes it. I don't know if he will. It's still, still something that we're up in the air on, waiting to see. But he um, he's been great in the support of his teammates throughout the prep ever since the, you know ever since the Alabama game. So we'll see. What there's, what a, there's a chance if he doesn't play, he can join you all the sideline? And um, I, I don't know that yet. I think he, he's just focused on getting that ankle 100%. You know, and, and if he gets 100%, then I think he's going to try to do everything he can to, to help us. And if he doesn't, then he'll be there to support his teammates. So it's still a good thing about right now. We still got a couple of days until we play. So I know he's battling hard. So we'll see what happens. I mean,
2: he's a guy after the, the injury could have gone. After yeah. SEC chip could, could be somewhere at a combine training. After
0: Vanderbilt. He have, right. He could have went somewhere. He didn't have to come back. What okay? does that say about him? It, it, I think the people that are around us a lot know what type of person Brock is, right? You know what type of competitor Brock is. and I think it just shows how much he loves his teammates, right? It shows how much he loves his coaching staff. And it shows how much he loves George, man. He, he is I, – I, y'all have asked me a lot of questions about Brock before and just – how much of a competitor he is. Like, he, he loves to compete. He is the ultimate competitor. And so the fact that he came back in what was it, like three weeks, it was was—it was unbelievable that, that he came back from that ankle injury, that surgery, came back and, and played at a really high level against Ole Miss just shows how much he wanted to keep playing for, again, his teammates, his coaches, and this university.
1: As I said before, I love hearing from Todd Hartley. I think he's just a uh, tremendous figure in the Georgia program, and – You know, Todd also loves UGA, which I really like there as well. It's nice to have a guy coaching at Georgia that just obviously a very big Georgia fan. If you know what I'm saying, like just really likes Georgia, and so I'm sure Todd's having the time of his life. uh, You know, you know, coaching these great players, and you know, this is one of those things where, I mean, obviously Todd Hartley will tell his grandchildren about you know having coached Brock Bowers, of course, but I think we'll all tell our grandchildren about that. That this was, you know, this is a player to be remembered in a very special way, and. I am very, very grateful that I got to see it because it's fun to watch the amazing highlights and there's no doubt a long list of those. It is awesome to have Bauer's contributions be part of so many Georgia wins. That's something in which we're all very, very proud. But in addition to that, there is something sort of life-affirming about a guy who also seems to go about it the right way. And you hear some of that from, from Todd Hartley there. You've heard him say that before. You've heard Kirby Smart talk about that before. that Bowers just went about the business the right way. That the oldest cliche in the book of you give me eleven Brock Bowers, I'll go out there and take on anybody. In this case, that really is true. That 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 you want whatever it was to make Bauer that made Bauer special, you want that to permeate the program as much as you possibly can and then hold that up as a real standard of what all of Georgia football is all about. And in so many ways, that's what Bowers has been able to achieve. And that is what Georgia has been able to resemble. So it is an end of an era here at UGA and a moment in which we're all incredibly proud. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Breda Pest Management, and happy to have you with us, at least in some form fashion here today. You know, still kind of filling things out a little bit, trying to uh, make sense of, uh, our circumstances, but uh, but uh, happy to have you with us, uh, obviously, across all platforms. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make the show possible for you there as well. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That is what Breda Pest Management is all about about when it comes to protecting your home from bugs and critters and things like that the same level of service they provide to UGA they want to provide to you there as well and there's a certain prestige about that the same way we're kind of proud of the career of Brock Bowers at Georgia we can also be proud to say hey the the folks that are protecting my house from termites are the same ones that are protecting Sanford Stadium. I trust and use the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics for all my pest control needs. There's something kind of cool about that. But in addition to that, there's also additional value that comes your way when you make that decision as well from our friends at Breda Pest Manage Because the level of success that braid has been able to have over the course of the years and by the way this is like a multi-generational story for them uh when it comes to great success in business since 1975 125 employees stretch all across our market area the level of success they've been able to have. So successful, in fact, they've been recognized as the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. They want to leverage that for your benefit. Let's be real, let's be honest here for a moment. Most of us are kind of coming off of a Christmas season in which we are once again reminded, my gosh, everything is just so much more expensive than it used to be. And as you're sort of thinking about sort of budget stuff for the upcoming year, where can we save money? Where can we put more money back in our pocket? That's a very real conversation that most of us are having in some form or some fashion. That's where Brada Pest Management can really help you because when you make the switch to Brada Pest Management for your pest control needs, your termite protection, bugs, critters, keeping those like flying squirrels out of your attic and things like that, if you've got any kind of issue related to that, uh, when you make that decision to switch to Brada Pest Management they're going to put more money back in your pocket, boom, immediately just for making that choice. So I want you to find them online. It's BredaPest.com. I'm going to spell it out for you. B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. The official pest control provider of UG Athletics can be your pest control solution there as well. One more time, BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com for more on that. All right. We're going to hear from uh, Jake Fromm here in a little bit. Fun conversation uh, with him coming up. We're also going to try to catch up with Mike Griffith here a little bit later on there as well. We'll hear from Jake coming up in a couple of minutes. But prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse, and I want to deal with a much less pleasant story here just for a moment uh, than the celebration of what the career was for Brock Bauer. So last night you know it's like trying to have dinner with my wife and listen nobody's going to shed tears here but it's like you can't escape Georgia football news here right now and last night at dinner my wife and I are having a nice time together uh you start hearing about Julian Humphrey oh gosh Julian Humphrey's going to the transfer portal and <laughs> like i like i'm so ready for all this stuff to be over i know many of you are there as 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 well it's just kind of this is just sort of what the sport is here right now and if it's frustrating for us you know good and well it's even more frustrating uh, for Kirby Smart. And what I'm reminded of here for a little bit, I'm gonna do a couple of minutes on this. What I'm reminded of here a little bit is is that talking to some people at, you know, from Florida State last week in Miami, one of the things they were saying was as to why Florida State had so many opt outs uh, prior to the Orange Bowl was, is that a lot of their coaches were on the road recruiting right at the end of the ACC title game. And so they weren't back in Tallahassee to play defense against all of these Florida State players kind of en masse deciding I don't want to be a part of this anymore this is not what I signed up for I'm out I'm done and so they weren't there to kind of recruit their own roster and you know maybe that was an unavoidable issue but that's kind of what some people in Tallahassee had sort of said became a problem was is that Florida State coaches were on the road trying to secure recruits and so therefore there was no one to kind of I guess quiet the storm of player opt-outs and I say all that to say that is a perfect indication of exactly what college football has become here right now where recruiting your own roster is perhaps as important as anything in the sport right now because if you've ever run a business or something like that you've probably heard it say like I think the cliche goes that it's like 10 times more expensive to go out and get a new client than it is to hold on to your existing client you perhaps heard that said before roster stuff is probably the same way the player that you have holding on to him is a lot more efficient than having to try to go out and get a new player to replace him whether that's a recruit or transfer whatever else so you want your own guys to stay on your roster for the most part because you've already kind of vetted them you know they're players that you at least wanted to sign in some cases you find out you got buyer's remorse but for the most part you want to hold on to guys that you've had on your roster, and so therefore re-recruiting your own roster is just as important, if not more important, than high school recruiting, portal recruiting, things like that, holding on to the guys that you have. And this is where I think things get incredibly frustrating. You know, The other day, uh, and we'll show you the, the message from Humphrey here real quick. Uh, Humphrey put this out last night. Uh, <laughs> we're sort of in the, uh, with that being said, season. Uh, Humphrey did not exactly say, with that being said, in his particular uh, announcement, but he did put it in there that he's going into the transfer portal and i think what's frustrating about this uh um, i'll read a little bit of this he says after careful consideration i'll be into the transfer portal with three years left of eligibility and so he, you know pretty similar stuff to what's been kind of said about this in the past but um but it is a situation now where george i think had thought that everything was all good with humphrey because humphrey the other day kind of put out the uh the you know the Wolf of Wall Street uh Jordan Belfort clip that Leo DiCaprio is like I'm not going anywhere in fact we've even you know done that on this show a couple of times probably it's kind of become the official way of announcing that you're coming back several Georgia players I think have done a version of the DiCaprio Jordan Belfort clip here uh Humphrey put that out the other day which is about as much as of like an official declaration that he's planning on returning as just about anything I, I think it's good news or Georgia fans viewed that at the time as being good news because I do believe that Humphrey's a talented player he certainly showed some of that this year would have obviously been a big part of the competition for playing time here next year and yet late in the process uh, like right at the very end of the process essentially you know Humphreys decided to move on procedurally and this is where things get I think kind of boring but I'm going to say it as quickly as I can in the last so the portal window for the NCAA officially closed last night at midnight but for Georgia I believe the portal window is actually five days beyond their bowl game which was December 30th. So I think technically the portal window for Georgia players still extends a little while longer. So we may not be quite done with portal stuff as it relates to UGA. There's also be like some straggling paperwork along the lines there too. But the other thing that maybe complicates the Humphrey part of this, and I realize this is so tedious. It sounds like I'm reading like an LSAT question to you. I totally understand that. But um, the other thing that's probably – a factor in the and the Humphrey part of this is too is that while the portal window for bowl teams is five days beyond their actual bowl game, assuming that it's uh, you know past you know uh, January second, which was the portal window closing, I do believe that if you want to play in the SEC next year, which was last year February first deadline, if you want to transfer within the SEC, I believe this year. That was a January 2nd deadline, which was obviously yesterday. So ultimately, that may be why the Humphrey thing happened when it did. Somebody getting in his ear from within the league. I think there's some people out there that think they have an idea of where he might be going. So that is sort of that. Pretty frustrating, really, to be honest with you. Frustrating about, you know, thinking you have a player coming back. Now he's not. Uh, You know, I I guess in Julian Humphrey's case, he feels like the grass is greener somewhere else. Maybe that'll turn out to be true for him. Who knows? But it sort of speaks to just the sort of wild chaos that seems to reign here a little bit with coaches at really no point in time knowing who is on their roster and who's staying and who's going it's it's become pretty bizarre and people say well these coaches make millions of dollars you know they they ought to be able to endure a little bit of turmoil I mean I I guess that's true you know uh, financially speaking they're all going to be fine here but it's just simply a matter of you know what do we want our sport to be you know because As chaotic as the portal has been, there is reason to believe it could be even more chaotic moving forward because all of a sudden now, you know, it used to be the last couple of years, well, if it was the one-time transfer, you know, you were kind of okay with guys who already transferred one time, but now there's, you know, seemingly no willingness to even try to defend the idea of a one-time transfer anymore, that that it may even get more chaotic in the future. I'm not really quite so sure what you do about all of that. I'm, I'm just not. I mean, Kirby Smart spoke up the other day about his concern about you know, uh, things related to the bowl game, the competitive nature, of the Orange Bowl, things like that. And I put this in sort of the same category of, I think, deep down, we all sort of know that somehow, some way, this current iteration of whatever the system is, feels like something's a little off and feels like something's a little wrong with it. But how do you actually fix that? How do you define what the actual problem is? I think that's still kind of up for grabs here. Either way, uh, a talented player is leaving Georgia. At one point in time, that was rumored to be true. Then it seemed like it was no longer rumored to be true. And obviously now it's more than a rumor. It appears that's the case. So Julian Humphrey is moving on. And uh, we'll see what happens next to Georgia's secondary. Now, the the flip side of this is, to put a positive spin on this for a moment, Georgia's secondary and vying for playing time is going to be one of the most fun conversations we have here in the offseason leading towards spring practice, which will be here before you know it. Because, you know, the, the decision of Javon Buller to move on. Tyke Smith to move on. Uh, obviously, Kamari Laster to move on. This really opens the door for the Daniel Harris's, who I think a lot of Georgia fans are happy that he's returning. Uh, Ellis Robinson, who's apparently been turning heads in his All-Star game here this week. Uh, you know, K.J. Bolden stepping in and perhaps earning some early playing time. Janela Guerrero getting a chance to really show what he's all about, that You're clearly not happy to lose Julian Humphrey, it appears that Georgia's going to, and you probably weren't happy to lose A.J. Harris either, and I believe that's probably uh, still true as well. But boy, there is a lot of young talent at Georgia really, really eager to show what it's all about. So you hate to lose Humphrey, but still really excited about the Georgia secondary overall. All right, so that is that. Uh, This is uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pass Manager here today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to catch up with Mike Griffith coming up in a little bit. That should be a fun conversation. Mike will have a lot to say about the news of the day. But for the first time in a couple of weeks, we get a chance to catch up with the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fron. And one of the things we get into with Jake in particular is, we just saw a thrilling Rose Bowl game. Eyes of America kind of on the overtime battle between uh, Michigan and Alabama. Well, one time a few years ago, Jake Fromm played in a game like that. What does that exactly feel like? And how many fond memories does Jake have of what I think is one of the great moments in Georgia program history, even knowing that Georgia would go on in later years to win two national championships? That Rose Bowl against Oklahoma was a ton of fun. So we recap and look back on some of that with Jake Fromm here. So let's do that today as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And of course, glad to have all of you with us on Dog Nation Daily. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take, as we'll welcome in the former George quarterback, Jake Fromm. Jake, happy new year to you, and uh, glad to have you back here on Dog Nation Daily again. Hope you're doing well.
3: Brandon, as always, glad to be here. Happy new year to you as well. Looking for uh, some good things, and um,
1: yeah, always excited, man. Thank you. We're recording this on a Tuesday, just after the uh, College Football Playoff semifinal games on Monday night, and obviously seeing Alabama in the Rose Bowl, and frankly seeing them lose uh, brings back I think positive memories for Georgia fans in the same situation back in your freshman year 2017 getting that overtime win against Oklahoma and I guess I'm kind of curious Jake you know for me as a sports fan I've been a sports fan my entire life obviously you know a guy very close to Georgia football there as well one of my happiest memories of all time was that game the trip to Pasadena the fun involved with that the thrilling game do you allow yourself, I know you're you know, kind of in the midst of just going about your business on a day-to-day basis, but do you allow yourself to think back on memories like that and enjoy that and perhaps appreciate that within the context of really one of the special things that had happened for Georgia football to play in a game like that? How much do you look back fondly on moments like that, your own Pasadena moment way back there in 2017?
3: Yeah, definitely for me as more time passes, you just kind of realize just how sweet and awesome... Uh, that whole experience was, um, you know, obviously it was new for me and and a lot of other people too with the program. Just you know, being able to go out and play in a Rose Bowl, I believe the first time since 1942, yeah, maybe. I, so. I, I don't know. I could I could I could be wrong with that, but um, unbelievable experience, uh, unbelievable just game and just the way it all went down. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing about it.
1: And so here's the other thing that kind of comes to mind for me, and I hope this makes sense the way I'm asking this. So when I'm watching, like, Alabama and Michigan on Monday night, you know, going into overtime like that, you just sort of get the sense the entire world is watching this. You just sort of feel like everybody is obviously glued, these two great teams having this great conclusion. And that's kind of much the same way that you probably find yourself there uh, back in Pasadena in that game against Oklahoma, another example of two big brands battling against each other. Like, how much do you, I guess, ever stop to think that you've been playing athletics your entire life, whether it be like little league baseball or, you know, high school sports, things like that. But this is on a much bigger stage than you'd probably ever been on before. And, you know, you're doing well, you're performing well, but you're also doing this in front of, like, the entire world watching this game at the same time. Do you feel different in the moment when it's just such obviously a bigger stage and it's just so obvious that far more people are paying attention to this game than maybe any game you've ever played before? Is it truly just like another game, or do you kind of feel the watchful eye of America on you when you're playing a game under those circumstances?
3: Yeah, so I say things like that come up uh, throughout the week, maybe even before the game, uh, but specifically for myself, when, whenever uh, the ball is kicked off and that first snap is taken on offense, hey, it doesn't matter. We're, we're back to playing football, you know, back to, to Little League football, back to middle school football, back to high school football, um, and you're just out playing, playing ball with your guys. Obviously, the stakes are higher, and you know that, but... Man, when you can just block out everything and just go back to playing football, um, and that thankfully I was able to do that in that game. But for me, whenever I'm able to do that, um, I usually just find myself having a whole lot more success in in games like that.
1: Shifting to Georgia here, 63 to three was the final Georgia against Florida State. A little bit of a odd football game, just given you know just how little Florida State really showed up for it at all. What was your overall takeaway from what you saw from the Dogs against the Knolls?
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just a game of, of motivation. Um, Florida State had had none whatsoever. Um, you know, did really just, just felt like they didn't want to be there. Um, and then, you know, Kirby and the Georgia Bulldogs, they just, hey, we're, we're, we're going to go play. We're going to go play pissed off, right? We're mm-hmm. pissed off that we're not in the college football playoff. Uh, we're going to show the world what we're about. Uh, Kirby does an unbelievable job of, of motivating those guys, getting those guys ready to play, buying in to wanting to play. And to me, they just played kind of older Georgia football uh, that I remember. That, that kind of yeah. that I that you know was the kind of the, the the feeling, the theme of the game. You know, when I used to play, hey, we're just going to go smash these guys in the mouth. We're going to run the football on them. We're going to go take our shots outside. We're going to hit our shots. Um, and we're going to you know. Knit this game in the butt early, and they did, man. It, it, got, it got out of hand early. It was awesome to see all those other guys get to come in and play, get to watch Gunner come in and play. Even Jackson Muschamp got some snaps. That's I mean, right. It's just, it, it, yeah, man, it, it's it's fun. Um, but, you know, the, a game of that, that magnitude should not end up that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And obviously, you know, air quotes around this, it sort of seems like a meaningless bowl game because it's not a college football playoff game. But as you said, when Georgia shows that level of focus and and, and motivation for the game, Jake, I do think, and I think you'll agree with me on this, I I do think that speaks very well for what Georgia can be going forward, much the same way a couple of those, certainly the 2019 Sugar Bowl that you played in was, you know, a a, a nice springboard for the future. When you take care of your business at a time in which a lot of teams maybe aren't doing the same kind of thing, I think it does sort of demonstrate one of the things that makes Georgia special.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and – you know, there's always kind of the, uh, hey, bowl games really don't help a whole lot with recruiting, and, and yada, yada. I don't I don't necessarily believe that or, or buy into that. Um, I, I think games like this can, can help recruiting a lot in, in a lot of different ways, and um, I, I think it can only help Georgia as they move on in the future, um, because a lot of guys got to have reps, a lot of guys got to have game experience, and... Uh, um, just being able to retain some guys and um, everybody wants to be a part of a winning program and it looks like they're going to continue to win on uh, for a few more years for sure.
1: We saw Gunnar Stockton get some run there to begin the second half. Georgia having such a big lead it could substitute as much as it wanted to. He leads a couple scoring drives. We've talked so much about you know uh, Carson back coming back for 2024 but it's also a big year coming up for Gunner, presumably as the number two quarterback here for this program and that's a spot that Carson Beck once used as a springboard to what he turned into as a very successful starter here this year how important are the next 12 months for Gunnar Stockton and what does he need to do to take the best possible advantage of what awaits him with a chance to get that much closer to some very real playing time and maybe one day even the the next starting quarterback at Georgia maybe even possibly
3: yeah man just just from you know knowing Gunner personally uh man Gunnar's a guy who uh he, he's really like a young professional already, man. He takes things serious. Um, he, he's always going to be prepared, and um, so I, I really look forward to uh, to Gunner being in that role. And um, man, just just being ready. Like it's, a, it's a, the backup quarterback position is such a a unique position, um, and uh, I think he will uh, do it well. And I think the only thing he needs to do is uh, just continue to make every single rep count uh, that he gets. And um, I think, you know, whenever he does get an opportunity, he'll be ready.
1: Do you ever think about your own career from the standpoint that you just stepped right in, you know, Appalachian State game, first, you know, game of your career and played the rest of the time you're at Georgia, which obviously players want to play. You were glad to do that. But do you ever think about the fact that you kind of missed that experience of what you could learn by watching and the kind of experience that you could have gotten by just, you know, seeing a different vantage point from the sideline and, you know, perhaps that experience, you know, certainly you had a great career as it was, but that experience, because I've obviously been helpful. Do you ever think about the fact that you know Carson did get some of that? The Gunner has gotten some of that. As a number two quarterback, he may get some more of that. It seems like that ability to kind of wait in the wings and learn a little bit while you're watching from the sideline that could be kind of valuable.
3: Yeah, no, it it can definitely prove helpful in a lot of different ways, and just allow you to learn. From other people's mistakes, you know, without having the consequences of of actions, um, you know, taking place, and uh, it's definitely helped Carson a lot uh, throughout his career, and. Uh uh the better off Opinion, I think you'll
1: be all right before we let you go. I got to ask you about this. We've been had so many people bring this up to us to ask you about the exchange the other day with Matthew Stafford there on the uh, sidelines. As uh, you get when it had a chance to go up to speak to Stafford, and Stafford, I guess, was left feeling like a little bit of an old man after all of that. Going back to his time at Georgia, which admittedly, I guess, is a little bit of a longer time ago now. Very funny thing that those NFL cameras kind of picked up on. What was your reaction to seeing uh, so many people have uh, so much fun with your little exchange there? With Matthew Stafford on the field the other day.
3: Oh yeah, had no idea the cameras were there, man. The cameras did me dirty, uh, but that's <laughs> all right. Um, it was uh, it, it was it was good, to, you know, to finally meet him and um, and watch him play. Um, just watch him play the position. He does such a uh, a great job at it. Uh, he made like five no look throws in our game, yeah. you know. And um, but yeah, I, I you know I I can't. I'm not going to take back you know what I said. Sure. I, mean, I was in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Um, when, when he was playing. So I, it, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was definitely funny. And um, the cameras definitely uh, caught, caught me in a good one there.
1: Well, you know, and listen, we all get that, absolutely. That's the uh, – I mean, I think a lot of us can kind of relate to uh, your message there and what you said and what you also say about those cameras kind of getting there and doing you dirty a little bit. You know, I've had other NFL players tell me that the way this kind of stuff sort of works, especially if you're on one of the teams that's on hard knocks or something like that is – is the cameras are around so much that eventually you just sort of forget about them and you don't realize they're there. And that's how they get some of their best stuff, is that eventually the cameras just kind of become invisible after a while and you're on enough NFL sidelines. You certainly know that there as well, that eventually you just stop noticing the cameras and and eventually they're there to kind of pick up a private conversation that you intended for it to be just between you two. You're trying to uh, show some respect to a guy that you know played the same position you did, but then the cameras are there to kind of get that private conversation. And that's kind of how the NFL gets you every now and then, all right?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. It was definitely more of a respect thing. But, uh, yeah, to your point, for sure, uh, especially like with hard knocks, man, you you either forget about them or at some point you just stop caring. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And guys start letting stuff rip. So, uh, yeah, they can always always get you good and uh, always seem to catch you at the right
1: time. Well, Jake, really good stuff. Thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today. We'll obviously look forward to having you uh, back on the show again very soon and uh, continue to enjoy the uh, start to a brand new year. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Yeah, Brandon, thank you for having me. Happy New Year.
1: All right, good stuff, Jake. Really good stuff there with Jake Fromm, a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. Of course, glad glad to have him on. And important to remind you as we head towards 2024, some very fun things going on with Kroger, including your chance to be part of Kroger Chef Junior if you've got kids, this guided kids cooking experience is a wonderful thing to do if you've never done it before or if you're eager to do it again. This month, the uh, menu item to be served up is chicken salad. So starting, it's this Saturday and also a couple of times uh, during the month of January, getting a chance to be a part of this with your kids, just $7 per child. In addition to making the chicken salad, which is the item for this month, there's also an incredible collection of you know, kind of add-ons to that there as well: a chef's hat, an apron, you know, some kind of cool stuff. Especially some some sort of fun things the kids get to take home with them from this. Just seven dollars per child. And so, find out more information about Kroger at KrogerChefJr.com. That's the word Junior spelled out: J U N I O R. KrogerChefJr.com, and be a part of this guided kids cooking experience uh, here in twenty twenty four, including a chance to make some chicken salad this Saturday and additionally, uh, additional Saturdays in the month of January there as well. KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. We're going to get Mike Griffith here coming up in just one second. Let me also uh, get ready to cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I'm going to do this pretty quick here right now because I do want to get to Mike. Uh, we've obviously had a little bit of a different uh, type of schedule here than than normal. A couple of transfer notes to give you. We obviously talked about Julian Humphrey a little earlier. Uh, big news across the rest of college Ball yesterday. Caden Salter, the very good quarterback from Liberty, he's going to the transfer portal. I'd say thus far it's been a pretty soft market for transfer quarterbacks. Cam Ward, we're led to believe, probably didn't quite get the offer he was hoping to get, so now he's flirting with going to the NFL. Uh, Ohio State, who we thought was probably pretty eager to bring in a transfer quarterback, uh as of yet they haven't really gotten that guy. Florida State, who obviously needs its next quarterback or at least more quarterbacks in that competition, uh seems like they're sort of settling on DJ Uiunglale here. Kind of a soft transfer market for quarterbacks and probably the second year in a row where that's somewhat been true. Uh Caden Salter does change that a little bit. Salter will have a lot of suitors you would think after leading the Flames to a very good season, just short of undefeated after losing to Oregon uh, on New Year's Day. And then another transfer name to give you here too, Lance Hurd, former elite recruit offensive lineman from LSU. He is going to the transfer portal there as well. Kind of a weird vibe around LSU right now. It seems like that's been true for a couple of off seasons now and there's some of that going on there too. Uh, herd is a pretty big deal. You don't see big-time offensive linemen going to the transfer portal very much, but there will be some interest there on that, and we will make that sort of an abbreviated cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and I'll remind you to be a part of What's going to be going down in April of 2024 with our Dog Nation cruise on board, Allure of the Seas. I had a couple of you share. Michael Carvel shared this uh, with me, our, our, one of our producers. And uh, one of you also shared this with me there as well. The fact that uh, Icon of the Seas is getting closer to being right there at the Port of Miami, getting ready to debut in January. So I'm excited about being on Icon coming up in a uh, couple of weeks. Really looking forward to that, but also really looking forward to being on board with all of you for Allure of the Seas. Uh, coming up in April for our Dog Nation cruise so Jessica Slater can tell you more about what's going to be going down the icon of the seas but I want you to to royaldogs.com the website for the Dog Nation cruise that is going to be a place to go and really understand that we're kind of in that crunch time to kind of get ready for uh, an amazing Dog Nation cruise coming up in April of 2024 can't wait to see all of you on board for that royaldogs.com Website to go to to find out everything you need to know about the upcoming Dog Nation Cruise. And a guy who will be there is our next guest. It is Mike Griffith here, looking forward to the Dog Nation Cruise, and I'm sure looking forward to everything that's in store for UGA here in 2024. Uh, Mike, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being a little bit flexible with us here today, and uh, of course, glad to have you as a part of the program.
2: Yeah, Happy New Year, BA.
1: Happy New Year to you there as well. So I want to start with, I guess, the news we were discussing most recently, and we'll work our way back towards Brock Bowers. So last night, a uh, player that I think Georgia fans would have loved to have had in the mix for 2024, and Georgia itself, I believe, would have probably loved to have in the mix. Uh, apparently not going to be the case. Julian Humphrey uh, dropping his intention to go into the transfer portal. This is after a couple of days' worth of thought that well, maybe whatever rumblings and grumblings that had been out there about Humphrey transferring and seemed to quiet down. Humphrey himself seemed to put some of that to bed and then changed his mind, apparently, at the kind of the last minute uh, here last night. What was your reaction to the Julian Humphrey news?
2: Uh competitive attrition. You know, th- this is the kind of attrition that you hate. Um, you know, you want to see these guys stick around and compete. But, you know, we know that, you know, Daniel Harris was a guy that Georgia, uh, you know, wanted to stick around that had originally announced he was going in the portal. But uh, uh, look, there's only so many playing positions. There's only so many starters. Uh, Kirby likes to have these guys compete. He plays a lot of guys. Uh, But we don't know all the details. I mean, that's what's tough about this, Brandon. We don't know how much finances impact this. We don't know how much negotiating is going on behind the scenes. We don't know the ask from the players. We don't know the tell of the coaches. So try not to judge too much other than the fact that you've only got two starting cornerback positions on the team and obviously Julian Humphrey didn't feel comfortable one way shape or form and uh, we'll, we'll select another option.
1: Seems to me just given the timeline that's out there of I guess the portal window for Georgia actually extends a little longer here because they played their bowl game on the 30th but if I understand the rules correctly You have to be in the portal by the second, which was yesterday, if you want to play in the SEC next year. So that would lead me to believe that Julian Humphrey is probably planning on playing somewhere in the SEC next season on the basis of, uh, I guess, just that sort of timeline uh, is as much as anything else. That's somewhat speculative, but I would say that's fairly informed speculation.
2: Yeah, you know, time's running out on this early transfer window for Georgia. I feel like the dogs need to add a little bit more punch themselves. Maybe maybe there's not anybody else. We know how careful Kirby is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great talent that Georgia could bring in. But, Brandon, we know how careful he is about the culture. And, um, you know, after watching what happened with Florida State and how many opt-outs they had, now you understand why. You know, it's like Kirby says, you know, you can withstand a couple few of those guys that maybe don't fit your culture because there's so many other guys that do and, and the guys come in and adjust. But if you get too many transfers, it becomes a slippery slope and you lose your team culture or it's more difficult to maintain. So it looks like whatever additions George is going to make. And I don't want to speak too soon because like you said, there's still a little bit of time left. But maybe Georgia gets that fourth quarterback after spring that Kirby talked about. Maybe they add that next dynamic receiver that I think they're going to need on the perimeter with Lad McConkey leaving. And perhaps now another defensive back will be welcomed into the clubhouse.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, like I am not good at some of this procedural stuff. I'm just not. I don't pretend to be. But, it, you know, the one thing that is not negotiable right now is the 85-man scholarship limit. And if you start doing like the sort of back of the cocktail napkin math here – I mean, you know, Georgia is still trying to get under the 85. So it's not like they can go out there and just start grabbing more transfers here. And there. at least right now, you know, based on who we expect to be going pro, who they're obviously bringing in as part of this 2024 class, who's already announced, you know, intentions to transfer and who Georgia's bringing in. I mean, they're essentially like bumping right up at the 85, even with Julian Humphrey leaving. So mathematically, you know, there's not a lot of at least if I'm doing the math correctly in my head here there's not a lot of move r- room for Georgia to move here right now just giving the 85 scholarship limitation which is not fungible at the moment
2: you know what I wonder Brandon and, and I don't know maybe we should do a deep dive on it but now that there's NIL money who needs a scholarship if they pay you enough money to pay for your own education and from what we understand um, all of the walk-ons get treated the same Now i think there could be some some math fuzzy math with report dates in terms of how many scholarship players could report but uh truly now with nil money and collective money you could just pay a guy and say hey uh, you know, or, 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 you know, take somebody, you know, maybe a, a kicker or a punter. Or somebody like to say, look, you're, you're not technically going to be on scholarship, but here's the money that pays for your education. You just don't need to report to camp when everybody else does. You can go over there on your other field and kick and punter or, or whatever. There just seems to be now with the financial incentives a way around that scholarship
1: number so i agree with you from the standpoint that almost certainly somebody at georgia is paying for school that we don't realize i just i just, I just I, you know I, there's probably somebody that we think is full scholarship georgia that might not be or just take georgia out of it at big time major college program there's probably somebody who we think it's scholarship player that might not be because they're trying to you know sort of play with that cap that's in place there but the flip side of this though is is that mike When this kind of topic comes up of, oh, we'll just let the NIL collective pay for the college, College is expensive. Anybody who's got college-age kids can tell you how expensive that is. That actually, that's a pretty big NIL deal. Like, you know, if 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 I'm going to say, well, I'm going to bring in so and so, we're going to make him a walk-on, but we'll have the collective pay for his school. That's a pretty big NIL deal to have. You know, uh, Georgia paid for for a year. You know, by collective NIL things like that. So that's where I think this stuff gets tricky. Is is you know that's significant money uh, that that we just sort of throw around flippantly sometimes say, oh well just let the you know the classic city collective pay for so and so he doesn't have to be on scholarship. But you know that's and you know what it costs forty fifty thousand dollars you know a year to go to Georgia or something like that. You know that's money that can't go towards something else if you're paying there on that. So I'm not quite so sure that's necessarily the the quick simple fix because as uh people of a certain age can tell you paying for your kids college is pretty expensive here.
2: Oh it's unbelievable and you know obviously at Georgia they get a great education but um, you know, as far as George's money goes now, Brandon, I mean the you know the the value of Carson Beck, you know debate what you want. this guy's worth millions of dollars. And, and what is the value when you consider how important it is to have a quarterback like that to get back to the playoff or how important is it, um, you know, how much money would you have offered Lad McConkey to come back? I mean, these are irreplaceable players. These are difference making players. And when you get into the big bucks, of college football and and what we're talking about, um, you know, tens of millions of dollars of television revenue, tens of millions of dollars of bowl payout, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of donation and athletic department funds. At the end of the day, football is your revenue generator and has incredible value. So it's an investment into these players, just like it's an investment into the coaches. I'm with you. I see you, you rub your head just like I do. And it it all makes you want to split your head open. Why can't it just be as simple as 85 scholarships for four years? Years, but the reality is, all these players now are on a year to year unrestricted free agent deal in college football, and it's got to be crazy difficult for Kirby Smart to manage this team.
1: Hold off on the Brock Bowers thing for a moment and let's look at the other stuff that could be out there. I believe the draft declaration is the 15th, I think. Uh, It's it's coming up here in in a couple of weeks, I guess you know, you're still kind of looking to see, okay, well, are there any surprise NFL draft declarations for Georgia? I sort of don't think there will be, but that's also what makes it a surprise if it happens when you don't expect it. But, you know, we are still in the midst of, you know, having, you know, official announcements like Cedric Von Granger. Eventually that's coming. We know we we know that's the case, but there are these sort of like, probably won't, but maybe, you know, guys like Ra-Ra Thomas or Dominic Lovett or Maybe there's somebody else. Uh, I guess Tate Ratledge, That um, that that. You know, there are still the thoughts here. Uh, seeing what happens with a uh, uh, Nazir Stackhouse and Warren Brinson. You know, there is still a little bit of news still yet to come for Georgia. I'm assuming we hear less about transfers here moving forward, but we still have a lot of will they or won't they stuff to do when it comes to some of these NFL draft decisions. Although it seems like now some of these are fairly well foreshadowed.
2: Yeah, at the moment, at least. And things can always change, Brandon. But, you know, talking with Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl last night, um, he said it was his understanding that Nazir Stackhouse, Tate Ratlidge are coming back. I mean, these are guys that would have been invited to that all-star game. And uh, Carson Beck certainly would have, too. Uh, conversely, Cedric Van Praan, as you said, has accepted the invite. Uh, he did that long ago. I think it's a given that he's gone. I I guess it's a new thing now where... You know, even if we know they're leaving, they're they're going to do some sort of graphic announcement. I don't know. Uh, seems to me I'd want to see some. Average. If I was an NIL guy, I'd be like, well, put my logo on there when you do it. You know, but right now it just looks like a, a Georgia thank you, goodbye, uh, you know, thing on social media. This is this has become uh, the gift card of our modern day society, apparently, or the thank you notes. Um, the, to me, the key guys coming back. I mean, I really like if, if this is as of now as we do this program on January 3rd, Stackhouse Brinson coming back. Could this be the Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt repeat from those uh, special players that came back to improve their draft stock from second-day guys, as I believe Warren and Nazir would have been, into first-round draft picks? Offensive line, Tate Ratledge coming back. Um, This is big. I think Tate's a preseason All-American. I think he could be an Outland Trophy candidate. Don't know the status of Xavier Truss. Um, this would be a very interesting yeah. player to come back and a necessary piece. You see the importance of championship depth. We saw that this year when JDJ went down. And, yes, that was a freshman out there getting beat on first and 20 for a 28-yard touchdown against Alabama. That doesn't happen to Georgia when there's quality depth or experience depth. So every player that comes back is really important, Brandon. The two guys that got away, the two that got away that, that I just – I bemoan for Georgia because these are guys that are just special difference making guys that I believe are going to be gotten for the cheap. They're going to go on the second day when I believe that lad McConkey and Javon Bullard are first round talents hate that those guys left for Georgia. But at the same time, these are two guys that gave it all. These are two champions. These are two players that are fan favorites that had incredible careers, uh, memorable moments that you'll never forget. Um, But that was tough because, you know, to win championships, you got to try to keep those second and third rounders around to to make that, you know, to become first rounders. Those are the difference makers. I don't think you're going to be able to replace Bullard or McConkie through the portal.
1: Yeah, certainly we'll be watching that. And obviously the other big news from yesterday, and we spent a lot of time off the top of the show discussing this, that's the departure of Brock Bowers. And I know, Mike, you you and I have talked about this plenty. I know you're right there on the same page with me on all this. This is one of the all-time great college careers. And um, I'm really thankful I got a chance to see it. I think you can – tell the story in a number of different ways. You could do a highlight video, that tells the story. You could look at the statistical prowess, that would tell the story. The kind of first-person accounts of guys like Todd Hartley, who we heard from last week, and obviously Kirby Smart throughout the years, that there are a lot of different ways to chronicle what Bowers was. I don't think any of it is overstated. This is one of the greatest careers that we've seen, certainly in the modern college ball era, one of the great dogs of all time, truly, genuinely, and I am very, very thankful that I got a chance to see what Brock Bowers was in a Georgia football uniform.
2: Boy, I agree with you, Brandon. I told Josh Brooks yesterday, you know, this has got – when you guys get around to building statues, uh, you know, 34, 19, and 99, they, they, you know, right at the top of the list for me, Jordan Davis, Brock Bowers, Herschel Walker, and I know there were some greats like Charlie Trippie before uh, as well. Hopefully Georgia gets to that point. I really, really want to see Georgia get to that point of putting some statues or some memorials around – uh you know smart Sanford Stadium. Yes, I do want to name the stadium after Kirby Smart as well. Um it'd be, because this is special. Doggonnet it, it's special. And I know that they got robbed of this glory uh this year, but but this 29-game win streak and this three-year run and, and Brandon I'm gonna do my darndest uh over the next few days to to put this down on paper and show everyone This is the greatest three year run of modern era college football. And I go from 1966 for modern era. Okay, some people might go back to, you know, the the 85 scholarship man limit, I think around 1990. I go back to 66. This is the great. This is better than the Nebraska's that you saw in the 90s. This is better than the Alabama's that you've seen. And Brock Bowers, what he was, I called him Superman. Um, he's a hero. He was a guy that when Georgia was in distress, you throw the ball to this guy. And like Tim Tebow said, most of the time when you throw a tight end screen, it's a 10-yard gain. But when you throw it to this guy, he could take it 90. Ben Watson called him the Michael Jordan of tight ends, um, as, did, as did the opponents, as did Mark Stoops. I mean, think about this. They're comparing a college football tight end to Michael Jordan, Damn. who I, I consider the greatest competitor of my lifetime. The greatest game changer, the most reliable guy in the clutch, because how many times did we see Brock Bowers take over games? I think the Auburn game this year was a fantastic example that, you know, finally Carson Beck found him. You know, I forget who said Bobo was screaming in his headset all day that he was open. Carson finally finds him. And Brock has four catches for over 100 yards, or perhaps Georgia falls victims on the plane as as, as Alabama nearly did uh, before the Milrow miracle and recently turned into the Milrow meltdown against Michigan, by the way. But every time you needed Brock Bowers, even when they lost to Alabama, think about this. Even when they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game in 2021, Brock Bowers had 10 catches for 139 yards. And he was targeted oh, really? 15 times. I mean, this guy was unstoppable. Uh, when I talked with the TCU defense about him, I said, what happened? They said 19 happened. We yeah. we did so much to try to cover this guy. We couldn't even get lined up. Um, so I, I could go on and on and, and, and speak emphatically and in a deep voice uh, that he is absolutely the greatest tight end uh, to play college
1: football well, in I'm, history. I'm glad you mentioned the TCU game because – You know, there's the other thing that goes on that George has always been very eager to like create the appearance of an ensemble cast. They don't want any one player to stand out in front of another. In fact, a lot of times during the 2022 season, Mike, and you'll remember this, when Kirby would be asked about Brock, Kirby oftentimes would pivot to Darnell Washington. Well, yeah, we think Brock's a good tight end, but we think Darnell Washington's a good tight end too. And that's just a very Georgia way of doing things because, A, you know, Darnell was doing sort of a thankless task of being a great blocker, and so therefore they wanted to make sure they threw some flowers his direction because they wanted him to feel like he was a part of it. And sometimes I believe that Georgia intentionally – tried to go away from Bowers because they want other guys involved. I mean, think about the big games that Georgia had where, like the big win against Tennessee, I think the Bowers had three catches. You know, the the big win against Oregon, 49-3, Bowers had like two catches that day, I want to say. There were some very big performances from Georgia where Bowers was not a very big part of it because I do believe that Georgia wanted to get the ball to other guys. They didn't want to be sort of a one-man show. But the TCU game, there was nothing left to play for, there was nothing left to save, there was no reason to like to hold anything back. And Bowers had darn near 200 yards receiving that day. Like like you know that's one of those things where when Georgia really didn't have much of a need to pretend to be something that it was and it just let Brock Bowers go out there and show out and he had darn near 200 yards receiving in a national championship game he really did transcend the wide receiver uh, the, the tight end position and became as valuable to me as any pass catcher that's played in college football during the era in which Brock has played
2: well he was fantastic and, and I don't blame Stetson Bennett one minute for looking for number 19 every chance that he got And riding that horse, you know, an incredible statistic from Brock's career and kind of really makes me hate that he missed that Missouri game. Brandon, you know he scored a touchdown on every SEC team he played against except for Missouri and he didn't get to play Missouri that I, I have no doubt in my mind, he would have scored. It's almost like as quite as Brock Bowers was that there was some chart, some box he's checking off every team he's going to score on every game. He's going to win uh, such a tremendous competitor. And, and the fact that the decision took a little extra long, um, it makes me wonder if, if, if somewhere behind the scenes, people are going, Brock, you've got to leave. You've got to leave. We know you want to go back, but you got to leave. same thing with McConkie. These were really hard decisions For these players uh, because of what Kirby's built and uh, how fantastic is it uh, that a player from Northern California uh, finds his way to Georgia uh, amid this, uh, you know, this whole period of the pandemic. And turns into this incredible story uh, that none of us could have seen coming. Um, I, I don't. I don't think anyone out west saw that coming, way well, either. You know, they, they they're beside them. How does this happen? I said, well, I'll tell you how it happens. Chris Milton, Kendall Milton's dad, says to the Georgia staff, "Hey, there's another guy out here." And then he tells Bowers about what this this program they've stumbled upon, and and that's just good stuff when you're able to recruit that way through word of mouth and. Uh, Certainly the legend of Brock Bowers, Uh, I hate that it didn't end uh, the way that we wanted it to. It was a gallant effort to see him out there playing injured um you know, we'll always wonder what might have been if they could have found a way to beat alabama if they could have found their way into the playoff um i think i think georgia probably would have won the national championship if they could have found a way to win in atlanta in december
1: all right mike i know you'll have plenty coming up at dognation.com in the days to come about all of what's coming next for georgia and there's always something coming next this time of year so we'll look forward to reading that from you then and of course uh, back here again on dog nation daily presented by brada manager there as well mike thanks for your time we'll talk to you soon
2: all right, thanks, Brandon.
1: Good stuff there from Mike Griffin and I certainly appreciate him as well kind of being flexible with us because I know we were a little bit different type of thing today, uh, time wise and everything else, but I appreciate Mike there on all of that. I also appreciate our friends at the finished long drink. when I mean, you've had, you know weeks like we've had around here, a little finished long drink, certainly goes well with whatever you've got going on. Many of you made it a big part of your new year celebrations. and as you look forward to fun stuff coming up here in twenty twenty four, I know you'll take the finished long drink along with you because it makes every occasion even more fun. So go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick some up, whether it's for a limited time, the peach-flavored version of the finished long drink here in the Peach Day, or the long drink traditional, the blue can, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, the long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. The truth is, you know, given my uh, penchant for Christmas cookies and things like that, it's probably sort of long drinks. It's probably long drink zero season for me here right now, just given the fact... (laughs) I feel like I've gained a pretty good bit of weight since Christmas. So we'll get that figured out. But we'll we'll use a little long drink zero to help us out with all of that. Long drink strong. Eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Long drink cranberry. The ladies in my neighborhood love that. A lot of folks in my neighborhood love all of that. So let's find more online. Thelongdrink.com. And you can make the finished long drink a big part of all the great stuff you have going on here in 2024. All right. We're going to wrap things up. And I saw some funny stuff online i'm gonna give a golden shoe to this somebody shared this with me Obviously, Alabama lost again. We're not through making fun of Alabama for that at the hands of the Michigan Wolverines in the Rose Bowl. We'll be spiteful on that. But it, We Are Dog Nation sent this to me. He tagged me, and I guess HBTFD1 also kind of was a part of this there, too. Uh, it's a Netflix documentary. It says Rebuilding Year Season 4 for uh, for uh, Alabama and Nick Saban uh, coming on August 31st. That's pretty funny stuff. Obviously, Rebuilding Year was the excuse that Nick Saban made after they didn't win the national championship 2021. And they haven't won a national championship since then either. Of course, Georgia is going to come up a little bit short here this year, too, but that's not going to stop us from twisting the knife a little bit for Alabama, who uh, seems to be in kind of a prolonged rebuilding year, at least at the national championship level. So pretty funny stuff from We Are Dog Nation and certainly Golden Shoe worthy here today. And how about those lousy, stinking gators? Boy, uh, they're not even trying to rebuild anymore, it doesn't seem like. It just seems like they're just sort of making the best of what is. Losing seasons, long drought against Georgia. In fact, it's been 1,152 days since those lousy, stinking gators have beaten UGA, and that number's going to keep on going up and up and up for a long time to come. We love the thought of that. We'll make that our gator hater updater, and we appreciate all of you being with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. We will look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow.